Well, over the last five weeks, we have been in a series titled Meeting Jesus. And each week we've been exploring different stories in the Bible where people come to know and meet him. As we do this, we hope to learn something new each week about the way that Jesus can meet us in our lives in a way that inspires transformation. As a kid, I used to take a yearly trip with my father down to Salt Lake for the NBA Summer League. Something to know about our families, we're really big Chicago Bulls fans, so uh, it was an excuse to go and watch a lot of basketball. Now, it was such an amazing experience because there was an incredible amount of accessibility to NBA players. You could just see them right next to you. They were walking amongst us, and it was a great opportunity to meet NBA players and to get their autographs. So each year, I would take a ball and a Sharpie, and I would go and get as many autographs as I could. Throughout the years, I would get autographs from people who were all-stars, lottery picks, uh, Hall of Fame players, and of course, sadly, the underachieving Bulls prospects that never made it to be very good. Uh, One year, as we were watching one of the games, I looked across the gym, and I saw a legend. The 12-time All-Star three-time champion, three-time MVP, Hall of Fame player, Larry Bird. It was destiny. I knew I needed to go meet him. I needed to get his autograph. So I took advantage of the opportunity. I grabbed my ball and my Sharpie, and I navigated through the sea of six, seven people walking amongst me, Uh, And at that time, I was only in sixth grade, so everyone seemed humongous. It was hard to get through everyone. But there were NBA players and coaches and fans. I had to navigate through to get to the other side of the gym. And I get to the aisle I need to walk up. And there he is. So I walk up like it was an epic quest. I present my ball before him. And before I can even ask, he says sternly, I don't sign balls. My dreams were shattered. I thought he'd really want to meet me. I guess not. But um, I was persistent, and I wanted to persevere. So I went back to my seat. I navigated through the crowds first, obviously. Grabbed my program. I'm like, okay, round two. So I go back. I navigate through the crowd again. I get up to him, and I say, well, will you sign this? And I don't know if he appreciated my persistence and perseverance or if it was just my God-given ability to wear people down. (laughs) But he gave it to me. And now, and I had a little conversation with him, you know, like, you're awesome, I think you're cool. Thanks, buddy. Okay, go. But I can officially say, I met Larry Bird. How cool is that? Now, it would have been really easy for me after getting so... Uh, sternly rejected, to just cut my losses and head back to my seat and be like, well, I tried. I could have gone back at the first sign of adversity, but because I relentlessly pursued meeting him, I was able to have a conversation and get his autograph. Sometimes meeting Jesus works the same way. To meet him might require a relentless pursuit to get to him. 
The passage that we're going to be diving into this morning is one that revolves around a blind man so desperate to meet Jesus that he would relentlessly pursue getting to him. Our scripture for today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And our scripture reader is Iris Hawkins. Uh, Would all of you please rise and face the center of the room for the reading of God's word? We rise and we face the center to remind us of the centrality scripture is supposed to have in our lives. And that's supposed to be the primary lens which we view the world. So Iris, whenever you're ready, feel free to get started. When they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Thank you, Iris. You can all be seated, please. Our passage begins with Jesus and his disciples leaving Jericho accompanied by a large crowd of people. This crowd was traveling with them uh, because they were making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. And as Jesus was making this way towards Jerusalem, he was on the final leg of his journey. He was heading there to fulfill what he had been sent to do. As Jesus and this large crowd were leaving the city, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus would attempt to take advantage of an opportunity to meet this Jesus that he had heard so much about. When we look at the way that Bartimaeus meets Jesus, it didn't necessarily come easily. It required him relentlessly pursuing him. We see his relentless pursuit start in verse 47. It says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus to have mercy on him, there was something important that he was communicating. He referred to Jesus as the son of David. This title was significant because it had messianic implications. When he cried out, son of David, have mercy, he was proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah. Now calling Jesus the Messiah would have potentially rubbed a number of Jews the wrong way. It was a very bold claim to make of someone. Many Jewish people had a picture of what the Messiah was supposed to look like, who he was supposed to be, and the impact he was supposed to have. And Jesus, for many, did not fit the description. 
the blind man had never seen or met Jesus. He had probably only heard stories of his miracles. But he boldly yelled out, Son of David! Given those circumstances, he displayed a strong belief in who Jesus was. What fueled Bartimaeus' relentless pursuit to meet Jesus was his bold faith that he had in who he was. He would cry out for mercy to Jesus because he had faith that the Messiah and the Savior, this Jesus, could bring healing and deliver him from his circumstances, deliver him from his struggles. I wonder, do we have that same kind of bold faith in who Jesus is and what he can do for our lives? As we attempt to meet him, we must cling to the faith we have in who he is. We must believe that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins and he rose again. We should have faith that he will fill us with peace, hope, love, and joy. We should have faith that he can bring healing, deliverance, and transformation. Bartimaeus' cry for mercy would elicit a negative response from the crowd gathered with Jesus. This could have been because of the boldness behind his claim of who Jesus was, or it could have just been they didn't like beggars. But their response would not keep him down. Verse 48 says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. After being rebuked by this crowd, Bartimaeus would continue to cry out to Jesus. In fact, it says that he would do so even louder. There are going to be times when we find ourselves facing adversity in our faith or in our pursuit to meet Jesus. In those moments, do we find ourselves getting quiet and reserved, becoming silenced? Or do we go at adversity with more force? It can, easy, it can be easy to be discouraged or quit the journey that God has us on to meet Jesus, but we are called to keep going. In our relentless pursuit of Jesus, we must persevere. The blind man was rebuked and told to be silent, but he would not let the voices outside of him tell him to stop. He went all the more louder. He had faith in this Messiah. There are times in our lives where the voices around us can discourage and stop us from pursuing meeting Jesus. But we need to be like Bartimaeus. We need to shout even louder for our Savior. We need to persevere. The blind man's faith and perseverance would eventually pay off. 
It says in verse 49 and 50 that Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Isn't this that same crowd that moments earlier were discouraging him as he shouted for Jesus? Does this remind you of anything? Here we see a crowd jeering and then go to cheering. But the story that follows this in chronicle and in chronological order is the story that we are celebrating this next week. The story of Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem, which then leads to his death and resurrection on the cross. That story includes a crowd that were cheering and then jeering for his crucifixion. Isn't it amazing how quickly our tone can change? How quickly we can change the tune of what we want? The people cheering and calling Bartimaeus to Jesus are the same ones who are just rebuking him. Now, a cynic might cry out, hypocrite, and maybe they have a reason to say that. But the reason I like this part of the story is it's a great reminder that God can and will use flawed people to bring others to Jesus. Upon being called and encouraged to go to meet Jesus, it says that Bartimaeus' response was to throw his cloak aside and he jumped up and he went straight to him. In doing this, he displayed an urgency to meet Jesus. It didn't say that he took a second to gather his things or contemplate, you know, if this would be the right decision for his life. The blind man jumped up, not knowing what was under his feet, not knowing what was before him. He couldn't see. But he got up because he was desperate to be saved. He was desperate to be transformed and find his way to Jesus. There was an immediate response and understanding that he needed to get to him as fast as he could. For Bartimaeus to throw off his cloak represented a willingness to drop the life that defined him. His cloak would have been used to collect and acquire all the different things he had been begging for on the streets. He was leaving it all behind. As we try to meet Jesus, we too must seek him with urgency. We need to be willing to leave what defined us behind us. And we have to have the courage to move towards him. When being led towards Jesus, it's often tempting for us to hold on to some of those habits, some of those sins, some of those desires that that controlled us in the past. And sometimes we drag our feet the closer we get to meeting him. But we are called to leave what defined us 
in the past. When being led towards Jesus, we have to move with urgency. Now it's kind of fun using our imagination about how the blind man finally arrived face to face with him. Did the relentless pursuit continue as he navigated the crowd? Did the crowd part like the Red Sea did for the Israelites as they're getting out of Egypt? Or did someone just come and grab his hand and walk him towards Jesus? Either way we look at it, it's a beautiful metaphor on how people come to know Jesus. But in verse 51, Bartimaeus finally gets face to face with the man himself and meets Jesus. But Jesus first meets him with a question. It says in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. When Bartimaeus finally comes face to face with Jesus, he's met with a question. He's asked, what do you want me to do for you? In doing so, Jesus meets him with a servant's heart. In our pursuit to meet Jesus, he comes to us with a servant's heart, asking us the very same question. What do you want me to do for you? Now imagine if he were to come up to each and every one of us personally and ask that very same question. What would you say? Think about it. What would your answer be? Now, if we take a second and look back a story, we'll see in Mark 10, verse 35 through 45, that James and John approached Jesus requesting a favor. And a similar question is asked by Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? James and John will respond by asking to be on his left and right hand side. The request was one of pride and ambition, one that would elevate them above others. Jesus would go on to rebuke them in saying that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Bartimaeus would be asked the same question, but his answer was not to be elevated above others. It was not to improve his status, but it was one of humility to see, to be made whole. Going back to the question, what would you do, no, what would you ask Jesus for? Do you refine your request closer to James and John's or the blind man's. When asked by Jesus what he wanted, Bartimaeus responded by telling him what he wanted to see. 
but just before requesting sight, he referred to Jesus as rabbi or rabboni, which means master, teacher. Giving Jesus this title displayed a humble submission to him and what he taught. In doing this, he would take a posture of humility. When we attempt to meet Jesus, we should do so with a humble submission. There has to be an acknowledgement that we don't have it all together. We have to recognize that we need him. He's not just a convenience or something that makes life better. We need him. Through his request to see, Bartimaeus communicated what he wanted and admitted that he alone could not make it happen. We have to take a posture of humility where we realize that alone we cannot deliver ourselves from our sickness. Alone we cannot deliver ourselves or save ourselves from our marriage. That we alone cannot conquer addiction. It's only through God we can do that. We have to have humility in our spirit and admit that our help doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from the one above. When we begin to see our shortcomings and our failures, then we can open the door for Jesus to step in and be what we need him to be in our lives. Unless we humble ourselves and admit we need help, our hearts will not be open to that constant hand begging to be grabbed to save us. His response to Jesus expressed a humble submission that would lead to transformation. Jesus would respond to Bartimaeus' request in a way that would transform the rest of his life. In verse 52, Jesus says, Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. His relentless pursuit to meet Jesus would culminate with a transformation of his circumstance. He could now see. He would go from being blind to sight. When we put our faith in Jesus and we humbly submit transformation will happen. Now, I want to make sure and be clear, this is not a promise of miraculous healing. I believe Jesus can do that. This is not a promise of just coming into a bunch of money, although I believe Jesus can do that. He's promising a transformation of the heart. This past May, my wife and I were, were incredibly blessed to be able to go on a study trip to Israel. And taking that trip, I knew it would be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I knew that it would just radically influence um, the knowledge I had of Scripture. But I had no idea how transformational it would be for the way that I live my life for Jesus and do ministry. Amidst all the experiences of the trip, there was one that just truly stood out. 
We were hiking towards some undisclosed place that was kind of the nature of our trips. We didn't know where we were going. And then, uh, just like any other day, we, we, we were on the path, and I hear it. I hear a roar and a rumble of active, flowing river. 20 more yards of hiking, and we were there at the bank of the Jordan River. This place that is so talked about in Scripture, a place so influential to Jesus' ministry, where it all started, where he was baptized. But just going there was not what transformed me. Our leader began explaining how the baptism of Jesus was about bringing peace into the chaos, pushing chaos with the shalom of God. And how living out kingdom work is bringing heaven down to earth and being a bearer of that shalom. Then our leader steps into the river. And without taking his shoes and socks off, he trudges through to represent how walking in the chaos of the world is what we are called to do. And how we are called to bring the hope and transformation story of Jesus to those around us. I'm not going to lie, I remember feeling uh, just deeply in my soul this desire to like jump in with him. I was so on fire, I just wanted to get in there. But I'm also a rule follower, so I was just kind of sitting like this. Um, but then, but then, he says, who's going to join me? So I booked it. And I got in there, and I was really disappointed because I wasn't the first one and I really wanted to be because I was so excited. But I got in the chaos, and I could feel the pressure and the tension. And it was a beautiful and tragic picture of the world and who we are called to be in it. As I stepped into the forceful water, I felt the tension. I also knew that having my socks and shoes on in there were going to make my shoes wet for the next three days. And that was a tough pill to swallow too. But that didn't matter. Because that moment, all that mattered was the transformed passion that God gave me to be a bearer of his peace and to push the chaos of the world with his shalom. My life is forever transformed and continues to be transformed. I took a trip where I was able to pursue meeting Jesus and I met him time and time again. And it transformed my life. When we pursue meeting Jesus, we experience transformation that changes our lives forever. Our passage ends by saying that this blind man, after receiving sight, followed Jesus on the road. 
once we've experienced transformation through meeting Jesus, it should compel us to a life of following him, a life of discipleship. As a disciple, we must be committed to continuing to better know and pursue him. We are challenged to continue finding opportunities to meet him in life. This isn't called the relentless pursuit for no reason. When we choose a life of discipleship, of following Jesus, there should be a constant effort to meet Jesus. Just like he's making a constant effort to meet us. The relentless pursuit should never end. And we should be constantly striving to meet him and experience his transformative power. What we learn from Bartimaeus is that we are called to meet Jesus relentlessly. We are to relentlessly pursue him. And when we do that, he will continue to transform our lives. And he will lead us down a road of discipleship. Continuing to meet him along the way. Today, Jesus is asking all of us a question. What do you want me to do for you? What will be our answer? Let's pray. God, we love you. And we thank you for your word and for how it can inspire us, how it can convict us. And Lord, we ask that as we uh, try to pursue you, help us to do so relentlessly in a way that just pushes through the adversity, in a way that brings us closer to you, in a way that inspires and brings about transformation. And God, help us never quit. We love you, Lord, and we ask that there's people here today that are in desperate need of transformation, that you work on their hearts. And Lord, work on all of our hearts because we are constantly in need of renewal. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me close with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.